Hi, I'm Nancy Dufresne. Welcome to our podcast channel. We know you'll be blessed by today's message. I love the faith message. I don't just love the faith message. I love the faith life. Because the just shall live by faith. Amen. We have to have a correct understanding of faith, what it will accomplish and what it's intended for. Many times people try to make faith do what is beyond what faith is intended for. And uh, so we we see here in 2 Peter, and I want to read again, starting in verse 5. Besides this, this is uh, this is Second Peter chapter one and verse five. Besides this, giving all diligence. Look at this. Add to your faith. Amen. How many of you know faith has to have something added to it for faith to be effective? Add to your faith virtue. Add to your virtue knowledge. Add to your knowledge temperance. Add to temperance, patience, and to patience, godliness, and to godliness, brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness, the divine love of God. Love, walking in love with everyone. Amen. So notice this thing. Uh, Faith doesn't live alone. And if all you're interested in is your faith life, your faith will suffer. Because you have to be interested in all these other things that have to be added to your faith. Amen. Well, I'm a faith person. Well, you better think about love then. I'm a faith person. Well, then you better talk, then you better talk about what you do with your body because all these other things are addressed. Well, you know, I'm just, I'm just, you know, I'm just all about my faith. Well, uh, then your faith is going to be unbalanced because to address faith, you have to address every arena of, of life. Why? Because the just shall live by faith. That faith is not just something we do. It's how we are. It's how we live. It's how we think. It's how we respond. Amen. Faith does not live alone. Then Peter gave us these lists of seven things. A divine checklist. How often do you see that? A divine checklist. That uh, these things must be in place because faith cannot take the place of any of these. We cannot substitute our faith for one of these things and think that our faith is going to be healthy. Something's going to be lacking. Amen. Faith is a main ingredient, but there are these other ingredients that make faith work, that help faith to be effective. Amen. So uh, in in, in giving this illustration, if you're making a a real cake, not a diet cake. If you're making a real cake, there's going to be flour in it, right? Um, <clears throat> but you can't, ju- although it is a main ingredient in the recipe, you can't just take a bag of flour, dump it in a pan, and put it in the oven and think you're going to get a cake out of it. It's a main ingredient, but it has, has something added to it for the whole thing to work. Yes. For this cake recipe that has a base of flour. It has to have other things. Uh, The just shall live by faith, but you're going to have to add some things to this faith life so that your life can be as God intended. Amen. 
Now, <clears throat> let's say this, you have to add egg, some eggs into a cake mix. You can't just say, I'm out of eggs. I tell you what, I'll double up on flour. <laughs> I'll just add more of an, a, the right ingredient that I already am putting in. And that, that just doesn't work either, does it? <clears throat> well, if you're not going to have brotherly love, if you're not going to have temperance, if you're not going to have these other things, you can't just double up on faith and throw it at your situation. It's not going to work. Faith is not intended to be a substitute ingredient for these other seven. Amen. They all have their place. Amen. Now, <clears throat> that doesn't mean that we're all perfected in all these, meaning that we're fully developed, but they do need to be abounding is what Peter said that if these things be in you and abound, you will never fall. Amen. Okay. So we're all growing. We're all developing. Amen. We should all be working on these other attributes, these other forces. Now, <clears throat> we are not healed by faith. We are not saved by faith. We are not prospered by faith. We are healed by God's power. We are saved by grace through faith. Healed by God's power through faith. It's not the faith that heals us. It's the power of God that heals us. It's not the faith that provides for us. It's the power of God that provides for us. But faith is simply this. It is a pipeline that God's power can flow through. You can have a building built. But if there's no pipelines under the structure, you have a building that nothing, can, no, nothing has access to it. You have, we'll have pipelines so that conduit, so you can put electrical wire through the conduit, right? It doesn't matter that you have a building if nothing can reach the building that powers it. See, that's what faith is. It's the pipeline. It gives access so God can power the life. Does that make sense? There's power in you, but it can't flow without this pipeline of faith. It has to have an access to your need. So that when you have a need that shows up, maybe you need the mortgage on your house paid, or maybe you need your insurance bill paid, you have to have faith in God toward that need. What is that? That's an access. That's a pipeline, a conduit. And then God's power will flow through that conduit of faith toward that need and meet it. Does that make sense to you? So this is what faith is. We could also call it a bridge. That bridge will join two in independent things together. Here's God's power. Here's your need. Then faith has to be a bridge so that the power can go across that bridge and meet your need. If we could say it that way. Now, we know in a time of war, many times the strategy of enemies against another country is bomb the bridges. Destroy the pipelines. Yes. Why? Because if you get rid of the accesses, wow. Wow. then people can't get food in. They can't get weapons in. They can't get artillery in. They can't get supplies in. If you get rid of the accesses, that's why the devil wants your faith. He wants to get rid of the access so that God's power can't reach your need. He wants to injure your faith pipeline so that, so that what, what, uh, what God has for your life can't reach it. 
Amen. That's why Jude told, told us earnestly contend for the faith. Uh, make sure you got pipeline, faith pipelines flowing to the different arenas of your life. There's faith in you. Just lay the pipeline to your need. Amen. It's up to us to do that. God gave us the faith. He's, he's the builder of this thing. I mean, he supplied everything, but we're the workmen co-laboring with God to lay the faith into our structure so that by laying a faith pipeline, now his power has access to our needs and the different arenas of our life. Amen. So the devil wants your faith injured. He wants you to leave these seven things unaddressed, just trying to get you focused on faith. But to focus on faith, you also have to include these other seven things, you see. Praise the Lord. Now, under a bridge, you're going to have this. You're going to have supports. There, under every bridge, there's some kind of support system. If we could say this, these seven things that Peter gave us are the support beams to the bridge of faith. That faith is what all these things are supporting. Amen? <clears throat> because without faith in God, you can't conduct business with him. Without faith in God, you, you can't conduct business with heaven. You can't, there can't be an exchange of services and goods, you see, that heaven has for our lives. That when we spend our faith, we receive something in exchange for that. And so we have to make sure that this, this, this faith bridge is in place. But how many of you know uh, these seven things, if we could call them the supports under the bridge of faith, is one, if one support's missing, the bridge is compromised. The bridge is weak. Uh, you don't want to go across a bridge that's compromised because you don't ever know when it's going to give out. It's going to give out, but you don't know when. Just because something doesn't look like it's giving out in your life, well, I, you know, I treat my spouse any way I want to, and I'm still getting blessed. That, that support's going to give out one day. And you don't know the day that it's going to give out. That it's going to give out uh, because that support isn't there. The bridge, is, the bridge of faith is going to give out on you at some point. Amen. So just because it doesn't give out today doesn't mean it's not compromised. And this is why we have to make sure that these seven supports are firm under our bridge of faith. Amen. So I want us to look at 2 Peter again, chapter 1 and verse 5. Uh, he wrote, giving all diligence, add to your faith. And the first thing he says is virtue. Now, in other places of the scripture, the word virtue is translated power. But this isn't what is translated. Uh, that's not the definition for this word virtue here. The word virtue translated here is moral excellence. Add to your faith moral excellence. Why? Notice this. Love is in this list, but love is not is what is listed first right next to this word faith. Moral excellence is listed first. It's interesting that moral excellence bumps right up next to your faith. <clears throat> Meaning this, you can't live any old lifestyle you want and think your faith is going to work. You have to have moral excellence as a support for your faith to work. Now, where do we get our definition of moral excellence? From the word. We don't get it from the government. We don't get it from society. Because the government will legalize what God doesn't call moral. It's not even what my church calls moral. It's not even what uh, your home calls moral. It's what God's word calls moral. 
You have to know this. God is a moral God. He has a code, a standard of morality that he operates by. And he made that morality standard clear in his word. Why? Because those who operate within his standard of moral excellence will live a good life. Those who get outside and they define their own standard of moral excellence apart from his word, they're going to have a troubled life. They're going to have a harassed life. And God doesn't want anyone living a troubled, harassed life. So he says, let me define for you where the devil can't touch you at. This is the standard in my word that this standard of morality is where the devil cannot reach you. So to live moral is to protect our lives. To decide to step aside from God's standard of morality is to get on the devil's territory. So people will say, well, the church is against this or the pastor's against that or Christians are against that. We're for God's standard of morality. Why? Because that's going to give, that's going to give people the best life. Amen. We're not against people. We're for the right standard of morality that's defined in the word. And God so loves people and we so love people. We want to make sure people know what God's standard of morality looks like. Amen. Why? Because we want him to live the best life. Amen. So know this, just because society calls it right doesn't mean God calls it right. Just because the teachers in school call it right doesn't mean God calls it right. Just because it's legislated and on the the books, uh, uh, government books, that something is right doesn't mean it's right. Amen. So that means you have a choice to make. Are you going to live by what society says is okay or by what God says is right? Because, you know, in all reality, every single one of us were raised in a different system in our home. Every home had its own system. You can't just go by, well, that's what my mama taught me. That's good if if it lines up with the word. But if it doesn't line up with the word, if you want the blessing of God and you want your faith to work, you have to live in line with morality that's lined out in the word of God. Amen. Now, Hebrews chapter one and verse nine, we see something about Jesus. Jesus lived by a, a standard of morality. Hebrews chapter one, verse nine says, Jesus was anointed. With the oil of gladness above his brethren because he loved righteousness and he hated iniquity. What's that mean? He loved what was right and he hated what was not right. Now, why do people struggle with what's not right? They haven't decided to hate what's not right. If you hate that thing you're addicted to, you'll quit giving into it. Develop a hatred for it. Not for people, for an action, for an influence, for something that tries to bind you, an addiction. Say, I hate that. That's not me. I will not anymore. You have to hate what you don't want in your life. Amen. You have to love what is right. Amen. I love clean living. I hate dirty living. That's what you have to decide. 
What is clean, I love. If I don't love it, I'm not going there. I'm not participating in it. I'm not watching what I don't love. You have to choose to love what is clean. Not call entertainment if it's not clean. If it's not clean, it's not entertainment. That means that's going to determine what you'll watch, what websites you'll click on. Amen. What conversations you'll have, what jokes you'll laugh at. Well, praise the Lord. You have, if you want your faith to work, you have to love righteousness and hate what is not righteous. And Jesus was anointed with the oil of gladness above his brethren more than anybody else because he knew what to love and he knew what to hate. And there was no gray line. It wasn't cloudy to him. And he didn't let society's definitions cloud his understanding of what was right and wrong. Amen. There was a distinction between what was right and what was wrong. And in society, they try to erase the distinction that the line between what's right is wrong is, is removed and erased and so clouded over. But to those who love what's right, it's very clear. Amen. We don't hate people, but we hate what will damage people. Amen. Notice this. Jesus was anointed with the oil of gladness. Notice this affected his, uh, his temperament. It affected his peace. It affected his joy. It affected his personality. If you play with what's dirty, it'll give you mental trouble. If you get around what's not clean, you're going to be harassed in your mind. Jesus didn't have harassment in his mind because he loved clean. He loved what was righteous. He loved right. Can I tell you what? You have been made the righteousness of God. What's that mean? That means that in you is righteousness and it is longing to have a life of righteousness expressed. Your spirit, it, your spirit uh, is, is, is peaceful, joyful, uh, at peace whenever you're living in line with who you are. Now, if you start living in line, if you're, you are, you've been made the righteousness of God, but if you start living in something that's contrary to that, your mind's going to start getting harassed. Why? Because you're not true to who you are and the devil's taking advantage. Ah, they're not living. They're not living sincerely. They're not living genuinely because sincerely they're the righteousness of God and they're not living that way. And now he has an opportunity to harass your mind with oppression, depression and things. When people do wrong things with their bodies... When they go wrong places and watch wrong things, they're going to have mental problems. And don't think that everyone with a mental problem is, is locked up in a padded cell. Just not thinking right is a mental problem. Amen. When you call wrong right, you don't think right. That's a mental problem. Amen. So... Uh, when, 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 what we see about Jesus, he loved what was right. He loved righteousness is God's way of being right. God's way of doing right. Amen. He loved that. 
He loved that. And that's why he was glad all the time. He wasn't having to deal with uh, nagging problems because he wasn't playing with them. <laughs> he hated what was not right. Why? Because he knew it robbed people of the best life. He knew it robbed, it robbed what God loved of the best life to play with things. If you want to get free from something, decide to hate it. If you want to break an addiction, you want to break something that troubles your life and bombards you, decide to hate it. Amen. How do you hate it? Love what it, love what's right. Amen. That means married couples are going to say, I love my spouse. I love my spouse. I'm not going to sit and think thoughts against my spouse because that's helping me hate my covenant. I'm going to love my spouse. I prize my, st- my spouse. No, they're not perfect, but you know what? Neither am I. So there we go. We fit. <laughs> Amen. You don't have to love. You don't have to wait for someone to be perfect before you're right toward them. Amen. If you love clean living and you love being clean, joy will be a flow of your life just like it was with Jesus's. When people are harassed, now I know this, the, the devil will, sometimes he'll get, a, he'll get a foothold in people's lives through fear or worry. But much of what people are harassed with is due to the outcome of not living in line with who they are in righteousness. The most unhappy people in life are not the unsaved. Because they're not righteous. The most unhappy people are backslidden Christians. Because they are made righteousness and they're living, they're living a lie. They're living something different from who they are. And then they, 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 they're troubled in their mind. Get back into righteousness. Get back into living in line with what's in you and who you are. Jesus has made you righteous. It's not what you earn. He's made you to be that. Now, it's our pleasure, our privilege to live in line with who we really are. How do we do that? If it's not right, I don't like it. I hate it. Amen. I love the flow of God. I love what God is pleased with. I don't enjoy watching something that my flesh is crying out for. I hate what my flesh may cry out for. You, 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 you have to hate it. Amen. Praise the Lord. <clears throat> but if you hang out with and mess with what's dirty, you're going to be depressed. You're going to be oppressed. And the devil's got a right to take you when you're on his territory. Because dirty is his territory. Clean is God's territory. Amen. Pa- you know, people say, Pastor, I'm having ongoing problems in my, in my marriage. Well, what are you thinking about in your thought life about them? See, that's dirty. I'm not talking. Just, just, to, just to think... Think ill and think offended toward your spouse is not clean. Amen. Watch what you're thinking. Watch what you say. Watch conversations you have with your family just so you can get them calling you right and your spouse wrong. Watch who you're telling something to just so they'll side with you against your spouse. Let me tell you something. Your faith is depending on it. 
Remember what Peter said, add to your faith moral excellence. That means every single part of your life has to be excellent morally. Amen? Amen. Christians who play with sin will have mental harassment. And it's not because the word's not working or God's not doing something. It's because they're on the wrong territory. Amen. We aren't left to live. We aren't left to our own ability to live right. We have his righteousness in us to help us. We have the Holy Ghost on the inside. We have the word to draw on. Amen. The Lord is the strength of my life. I draw on that strength. It's what you yield to. It's what you remember and talk about and draw on that matters. Amen. Uh, We also have the Holy Ghost that will help us. On the inside, you'll have a check. Don't do that. Then yield to that. Respond to that. He's trying to protect you from, uh, he's trying to help you live in line with the righteousness that's in you. Amen. That means you have to respond to him, not respond to your flesh. Not respond to feelings and emotions when he's leading you to do something different. Amen. Amen. What, you re- the li- what you respond to is going to fill your life. Yes. Wow. Yeah. That's so, so if you respond to the Holy Ghost, you'll be full of the Holy Ghost. Yeah. You, respond, you respond to perversions, your life will be full of perversions. You respond to offense, you'll be full of offense. Yeah. Right. What you respond to is what your life will be full of. Yeah. Amen. Hallelujah. God's best is available to everyone. But to experience it, we have to walk in moral excellence. Just because it belongs to us doesn't mean we're going to be partaking of it. Amen. You cannot just live unclean and then double up on faith. Listen, I've had people come to me and say, Pastor, would you pray for me? Well, what's the matter with you? Well, I've got, you know, this problem or that problem. Well, then the Holy Ghost tell you, well, talk to them about their marriage. Well, let me talk to you about that. No, 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 no. I'm not talking about my marriage. I'm talking about, see, God is trying to help with the moral excellence so that our faith will work when we believe in God. Praise the Lord. Listen, you may have a call on your life. You may even have an anointing on your life in a strong way. But it'll never be a substitute for moral excellence. And don't you think that having a call dismisses you from moral excellence? It puts a greater demand on moral excellence in your life. Don't think that you have an anointing and so therefore you're dismissed from coming up to the standard of the word. Because the devil would love for a ministry or a life to get promoted without having proper moral excellence because he'll wait for a strategic time to strike and that thing will crumble down and great will be the fall of it. Amen. Just because God hasn't, just because things haven't started falling apart, if there's a wrong lifestyle in place and just because things haven't started falling apart yet, that's because there's grace and time to get it right. That's not approval. That, 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 that problems haven't started coming up doesn't mean God's winking at it. It means he's giving you time to correct it, fix it, get it clean, get it right, bring it, into, bring it in line with moral excellence. Amen. Praise the Lord. God, every single one of us had the pleasure of living morally in line with God's standard. What an honor. What an honor to be offered that life. 
Hallelujah. We trust you've enjoyed this message. Visit us at DufresneMinistries.org to learn of our upcoming meetings, share your testimony, become a partner, or visit our online store. This program has been made possible by the friends and partners of Dufresne Ministries.